We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, everyone? Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Today's show is going to be a bit different. It's not going to be the typical preview. I have no desire to really preview this game. I'd rather take some time, especially because Steven's not here and he's not hosting, so I get to do what I want, to just talk. Let's let's talk about the state of the Chargers right now. Uh, this past week, the comments, and then where they are as a defensive course. And, you know, Alex, we can, we can start here. I'm not even going to do introductions. Rich Eisen on the Rich Eisen podcast talking about the Chargers and the the more or less or whatever you want to call it was, you know, what's going to be higher? Lamar Jackson total touchdowns or Chargers complete dumbass penalties slash dropped passes. Uh, and they were and they were making full joke of the Chargers and what it means to be a complete dumbass, not just to be a dumbass, too, but to complete the process of being a dumbass. Not my words. theirs talking about the Chargers. Uh, Alex, how was your Thanksgiving if you even did anything? And then um, your thoughts on where the charges are at in the face of the media right now. Yeah, I'm on this podcast because I'm like the one person that isn't allowed to celebrate Thanksgiving on the <laughs> podcast living overseas. I didn't get off for Thursday or Friday, but my weekend's going okay. Uh, I, had some, I had some pizza on Thanksgiving, so that was nice. Um, nice. But got to watch uh, football. Oh, yeah, I got to watch a little bit of the Cowboys game. I saw the Dolly Parton halftime show. But uh, other than that, I didn't watch many that many of the games. But uh, I don't know. The state of the Chargers is uh, 
It's interesting. Um, I, you know, I've never, I, I don't think I've seen the media, at least in the last four or five years, go like this hard at the Chargers. Um, even towards like maybe the end of the Anthony Lynn era to some extent uh, with that team, probably because I think there were higher expectations for what this team was supposed to be on paper. And obviously having Justin Herbert as your quarterback, you know, kind of um, in a veteran season for him, but yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's been less the fact that they've lost football games and less the fact of the scores than more how they're doing it. And I think that mm-hmm. that Rich Eisen clip, in addition to everything you've seen on probably all the shows this week, um, probably, you know, indicates that. Yeah, they're certainly taking their jabs at the Chargers and Brandon Staley, of course, in particular, and this defense. And there's really nothing that any of the Chargers can do. Like, they just have to take it. Because at this point, it, it is a, it's a kind of a valid question. And the answer is, yeah, the you take the Chargers committing these penalties and, and drop passes over Lamar touchdowns because they're so frequent. And so, you know, I, I was going to do, you have a Thanksgiving theme here for the slideshow. I was going to do a solo video on and drop it on like Thursday or Friday or something. And I, I really just couldn't bring myself to record anything. I've also been a bit sick. Sorry if I cough a couple times during the episode. It's just been kind of a down flat week where it's it's been mildly entertaining because of all the media stuff and the post game press conference, which we'll get into because you and I only talked about that after we were done recording. And that was certainly something. Um, but anyways, I wanted to get into it now because I, we really got to talk about where this defense is and, and sort of vent our frustrations because there are no changes on the horizon, yet nothing's been good. So just for like reference, and again, this this was going to be a solo video, so I apologize for dragging Alex through a, a Thanksgiving themed PowerPoint presentation. No, I, I love it. You yeah. give me the PowerPoint presentation, <laughs> and um, so here's the, here's the Chargers' goals heading into the season: uh, to hold for defense at least, hold teams 18 points or less, which is bold. Uh, get two or more red zone turnover, or excuse me, two or more turnovers. Hold opposing red zone uh, touchdown percentage to less than 50 percent. And then limit explosive plays to three or less, which is very bold. Uh, but we'll get into their successes in those areas uh, in just a bit. And, and as we saw throughout the season, you know, the results after the first two weeks were not great. Like we know, having watched, I'll pull back this view, having watched the team those first two weeks, we expected the defense to do something meaningful against the Dolphins, and it did not happen. But everyone said, okay, Dolphins, the Dolphins, McDaniel had the revenge game, fine. And then it was Traylon Burks and Ryan Tannehill. And it just was not quite the same thing as Hill and Waddle. And the Chargers, after those two weeks, were 32nd in coverage EPA per play. They allowed 20 explosive passing plays through two weeks. And they were bottom eight in the NFL through two weeks in perfectly covered plays in the sense that they did not have perfectly covered plays. And if you're seeing this on the YouTube, uh, whatever you're watching it on, yeah, the Chargers are way over here to the left by the Chicago Bears. And if you're over here to the left by the Chicago Bears, you probably aren't doing something all that well. And I think for for us, and you know, Alex, I'll jump to you in a second here. It really just felt like it was an issue of complexity. I think the the JC Jackson situation threw them for a bit of a loop. I'm not sure they knew that he was going to be ready by week one. I certainly didn't. Um, so one of the things that I was discussing on the Chargers channel episode with Steven after week two was this idea of Shannon Entropy. And entropy, Shannon entropy is a measure for how unpredictable something is. 
I just realized I put how, how twice, but that's fine. Um, so in this case, the defense. So um, do you mix up coverages a lot or do you keep things simple? And so the Chargers were sixth in Shannon Entropy through two weeks, um, which basically, and, and given the 32nd EPA per play, basically says that they're mixing up coverages a lot, but they don't have a good defense. And another thing on top of that was this whole snap count thing. where Michael Davis went from 67 snaps to 24. He was switching out with J.C. Jackson, Asante Samuel Jr., played a lot in the slot in week one. Then he was just a strictly an outside guy. J.C. Jackson, the snap counts were about the same, but he was rotating drives. And then Jaw Taylor went from 17 snaps to 34 snaps. So there was no real like solid foundation. And it really felt like the Chargers were doing too much, trying too much, and the rotations weren't great. And you get this, this, this comment from Michael Davis, like playing corner is all about a rhythm. If you're going in and out, you lose your rhythm. Forget what I have next year. Okay. So then we get to the JC Jackson healthy scratch in, in week three. And it really seemed like at that point, the chargers were starting to find themselves in the secondary, although it wasn't great against the Vikings. It was better. And then it certainly was a lot better against the, the Raiders. Granted, it's a lot easier to face Aiden O'Connell in his first start when Khalil Mack has six sacks in one game. But still, they were better. The Chargers were better. They improved. It seemed like the consistency was, was there. For better or worse, they were sticking with their three guys. And then eventually, of course, after this game, J.C. Jackson gets traded. And so it just seemed like everything was going to be calmed from there. So overall, it seems like heading into the bye, the Chargers were, were doing okay. In terms of the success criteria, they had only hit one of the eight the first two weeks, but they were six for eight the next two weeks. Again, Aiden O'Connell helps a lot, but still, you are starting to calm things down. And they did have Devontae Adams, although for like two-thirds of a game. Um, and so things were better. Things were better. They weren't great, but they were better. So, Alex, your thoughts heading into the the bye week of like what the Chargers had shown and maybe what they were trying to amend. Like, where did you expect the Chargers to be post buy compared to what they were doing pre buy it's it's weird because i don't think i i don't really know if my expectations were ever super high i thought okay i mean the jc got traded during the bye week so i, I guess we kind of went into the bye week with the expectation that he would still be on the team in some way uh, although the healthy scratches were weird and then obviously you know after the raiders game we, you know, learned that he refused to go into the game and, and all that kind of stuff. So I think that was the first big domino in the secondary that like something has to happen like with this, like you just can't have him in and out of the lineup. Um, you know, a, a lot of the same things that we kind of discussed to some extent in 2022, but on a bigger level, right? Like the JC benching after the Broncos game, like what was going to happen after that point? Um, and nothing much changed there, but it was just like, this was kind of, I think a bridge too far. And I think the defense, like as a whole, it's really Michael Davis's, you know, regression from season to season that I think has kind of lowered the ceiling of what this secondary can be. Um, Asante, I don't think has played great, you know, Asante, I think was playing at a much higher level weeks three and four, I want to mm -hmm. say, heading into that by. 
had a pretty decent game against the Raiders. Again, you know, Connell helps a lot. Um, but I, I did think they were starting to, you know, maybe find something in regards to at least like ASJ uh, relative to, you know, how they he played maybe against Tennessee and how the whole mm-hmm. secondary is communicating. So I did think that there was a chance the secondary communication would get better. Um, but obviously then it never did. And, you know, it, it's weird because I think the, the pass rush was like, granted it's six sacks against Aiden O'Connell, but it was kind of like, you could talk yourself into, okay, maybe if they get kind of one more of those Khalil Mack games or just the standard, like five pressure Khalil Mack game. Uh, and then Joey comes back after the bye, right? Like you could sort of talk yourself into, they'll be able to generate enough pass rush pressure along with Thule and some of the other stuff they're doing that if the secondary just improves a little bit that like they'll have that extra, you know, uh, margin for error, so to speak on their defense. Um, and it just kind of never happened. And then I, I think, you know, the, the consistent theme of this secondary to even this week has been competition, right? Like that's the word that gets used all the time from Asante versus John, the slot to, Hey, you know, we're going to have a competition to see who's going to play this week. Um, and that's been a consistent theme and I don't technically know who the starters are going to be tomorrow. I would expect mm-hmm. them to run it back with Michael Davis and Asante and, and Ja and Derwin will play the slot a little bit as well. Um, but it's weird that like they, they, the thing in the secondary is they just don't have a group of three or four guys uh, in terms of the quarterback room that they feel confident in. And, I feel like that's much different from last year, even when they were playing without JC Jackson. I think that especially down the stretch of the season post Broncos game, like Michael uh, Brandon Staley really did trust Michael Davis um, and trust ASJ, you know, regardless of whether they were getting beat or, or whatever um, and, and really kind of stuck to his guns on that. And this year it just, it hasn't been the same. Uh, and I think, relative to their performance and the miscommunication errors are on everybody in the defense, but he clearly doesn't have the same confidence in those guys. And, you know, I don't know what the level of confidence, those guys that they have in him, you know, especially yeah. after all the miscommunications that we've heard in like post-game pressers of, you know, uh, we were playing man. No, actually we were playing zone. Like, you know, after the Kansas city game and there's been other instances like that as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I think going into the buy, there were reasons for optimism, but there were still these, you know, question marks that had to be answered. Yeah, there was plenty. And we, there was still optimism for me, I think, looking at Michael Davis in 2022 and then how he once he became the guy, he was just the guy and he was great the entire rest of the way. And once it was him, he could do his thing. Zant, a bit boomer bust, but there was still a way that he played that, you know, afforded those mistakes to be an okay thing because he'd get the interception, he'd get the pass broken up, whatever. What I, what I didn't expect, which is the most, I think, confounding thing throughout all of this, whether you keep your scheme the same, whatever, I guess that's fine. What I didn't expect is the way that they would then ask the corners post by to start playing. And I think that's when a lot of fans went from, okay, maybe the DBs just have regressed this year to what the hell are we asking these DBs to do? And can they even be any bit positive? Can they be who they're supposed to be? Can Michael Davis be who he's supposed to be? 
when he's asked to play completely differently. And these two games were the perfect example of that. And frankly, it only got worse with the other two losses. And we'll talk about those. This is, you know, retreading old ground. We've all talked about this, but Steven and I were very confident in the game against the Cowboys that the defense could hold because it's like, can you stop a Joe Lombardi offense? And that's really all it was up until that point. They were throwing short. They were throwing everything seven yards, six yards. That's about it. You know, if you can stop CD Lamb at a hitch, you're good. If it's third and 10, just stand at the eight, dude. And they're not going to throw past that or stand, you know, at the eight yards, you know, past the line of scrimmage. They're not throwing past that. And they didn't. But the Chargers decided to play as far back as, as humanly possible, which was a surprise. And the, 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 the Chiefs, same thing. More creative offense, but they were a team that wants to you do a lot of yak. Right. They they throw short as well. Doc Prescott, Patrick Mahomes, both these guys, you know, 30th out of 34 and a dot Patrick Mahomes, 31st out of 35. I don't know how I got that filter. Oh, through six weeks um, with that a dot. They don't throw it deep. The guys that try to either throw short and get a lot of yak. Dallas less successful with yak. They've been better recently, but up until that point, less successful. And the Chiefs were first in the NFL on yak. And of course, like <laughs> the, the funniest part is, is this quote from from Daniel Popper's article in The Athletic, from a Staley Presser in 2022. It's the funniest thing that just makes it the worst um, looking at what they did. So the quote from Brandon Staley after the combine in 2022 is, if you guys have seen anything the last five years with these quarterbacks, it's if there's a bunch of air in the coverage, they're going to find it. You put a bunch of air in the coverage, you'll wake up and they'll have 80%, 85% completion for like 300, 400 yards. And with their mobility, playing zone is the worst thing to play because you're not connected and they're going to find it. Well, would you believe it? But playing that way against two teams that throw really short and try to pick up yak does not work. And you need to start playing more man in certain situations, in particular against the Chiefs, and not just sit there in zone and give them free air and free yardage underneath because they're going to get you. And you mentioned the post-game comments. I'm not going to read all of them, but they're here if anyone wants to pause and read through them. But it was Brandon Staley saying, yeah, played a lot of man in the first half. And the de defensive backs went out and said, yeah, we play a lot of zone. And I intentionally went through and underlined everywhere these DBs reference the word zone in here. And it's not that they never played man. Of course, they played man, but they played so much zone. And it was very clear that Travis Kelsey continued to just eat up this defense. I forget what it was through the first half, but Mahomes had, what, 300-something yards, something ridiculous? I forget what it was, but it was a nasty number. Kelsey set his own personal records through the first half. And it, it was at this point, with the frustrations of what we were seeing, plus the frustrations we started to hear from the players, that really, I think, just started to really make this thing boil over in terms of, you know, is it the players or is it the scheme or is it what they're asked to do? Um, so frustrating. And, and it wasn't just one player. Initially, it was like Michael Davis and like, oh, Michael Davis isn't playing well. He's not getting playing time. He's the one, quote unquote, complaining. OK, maybe there's something there where he's just not getting the playing time. So he's kind of complaining. But you get comments from Derwin, from John Taylor, from Dean Marlowe, all guys who are either highly drafted or not highly drafted or undrafted free agents or veteran free agents. Like it's across the board. They're not sure what's going on here. And it only continues to get worse. And of course, we, we talk about I don't know where my picture was supposed to go here um but if we're talking about yards after the catch and contact a lot in these four losses that have been so frustrating you know surprise you don't get to play zach wilson and tyson bajan every week 
you know, against the Cowboys, they gave up 177. Kansas City, 220. Against Detroit, 295 yards. And against Green Bay, 258. And that's just yards after the catch and yards after contact. That's not like passing yards. That's just after the catch and after contact. I mean, it's been completely dreadful uh, to watch them. And it's been such a surprise. And, you know, I'll kind of pause here for a moment. Jaw Taylor, actually, I'll, I'll go one more than this. Jaw Taylor, after the Detroit loss, said, you know, we, we preach that if we make a mistake, try not to make it again. We sit in the film room week after week fixing the same mistakes. It is it is clearly not working for this team. And I was going to go in a whole tangent at, from this point, but I'm not going to, on how the Chargers have, have failed to do anything as as teachers that that Brandon Staley suggests that the organization is all about teaching, not just giving information, but providing it in a way that these these athletes can understand and work with and receive the message, comprehend the message, digest the message, and become better. And, and John Taylor just says, no, nope, we're just fixing the same mistakes. Anyways, I, I won't go into the whole tangent, um, but we'll get into you know the success criteria through 10 games, which I won't make you read through all of this, but they're 14 out of 40, I believe, in terms of um, did they hit the criteria or did they not? Uh, so 14 out of 40, not great. Uh, completely negative across the board unless you're playing i don't know the jets oh, a lot of green there so green is if they met their criteria red is if they didn't uh a lot of red a lot of green against oh the raiders and aiden o'connell and the jets and zach wilson who couldn't even start last week last game over Boyle, who was arguably just as worse um it has not been great and alohi gilman says we're just fed up something's got to change Alex, your thoughts on the state of the defense up through this point? And we'll just we'll we'll start there because we're going to get to the comments from Brandon Staley in just a moment. Your thoughts on the defense post by? Yeah, I just remember watching that Chiefs game. <laughs> I think I tweeted out at one point that Kelsey had like 142 yards. I'm like, he's like 80 yards up from potentially breaking Shannon Sharp's <laughs> single game record, and I legit thought that there was a chance he was going to do it. He ended up finishing with like 190 yards. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, this, this defense is, is fundamentally like broken in every aspect. And I think, you know, we, Staley talks a lot about obviously like kind of the two man high scheme, uh, and, you know, limiting explosive plays. Uh, and that has sort of, you know, ironically been <laughs> like what the me method behind this defense is supposed to be. But I just feel like when you go back to that Dolphins game and you go back to that Titans game, even on tape, like there was this idea that they would be able to kind of mix up man and zone earlier in the season more effectively than they have post by. And I think they got beat on obviously a lot of plays in the Miami game, uh, which is just, you know, partially going to happen when Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle and all those guys are on the other team and, and you're committing bad penalties. But then in the Titans game, right, like they get beat by Chris Moore and they get beat by, you know, Traylon Perks going behind them, right, um, in, in sort of situations where they were, in theory, playing more aggressive. And Staley had a um, post-game presser, I think, on like Monday, where basically he was like, all the attention has to go to, you know, stopping those plays uh, in the secondary. And I think really ever since that week two game, I think they have been playing the Staley scheme more conservatively than they have played it in prior years. And I think you've seen a lot of that soft zone stuff. 
after the bye, obviously, um, and it's given the Lions, it's given the Packers, it's given all of these teams uh, that yak potential that in mm -hmm. previous daily seasons, even when the defense wasn't great, um, that much yak potential was not there for other teams because I do think Staley did mind, you know, the the pockets full of air that he you know mentioned before in that combine quote that you posted. Um, so that to me is like the biggest change in the defense is that it's not just like they're mixing up, you know, the coverage is too much, which clearly has left people confused. I mean, you have Derwin James pointing out where Kenneth Murray is supposed to be on the field. You have Michael Davis on that last Romeo Dobbs touchdown, like confused about where he's supposed to be and Romeo Dobbs just blows by. Um, so, you know, I think there's the entropy stuff in terms of, you know, the complexity clearly is too much for the personnel that Staley has to handle. Um, and then, yeah, no, I think the the thing with the defense right now is just they they're just going to continue to give up yak plays and and can continue to play off coverage which like i don't know clearly isn't working for them as as you titled the video definition of insanity like mm -hmm. i don't know why the conversation hasn't shifted to playing more like they did to some extent in 2022 with largely the same personnel Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I think that has to go back to a lot of their issues earlier in the season. And again, Brandon Staley not having that full confidence in uh, Michael Davis, in Asante, and kind of the secondary post the JC Jackson, you know, fiasco. Um, so I, uh, you know, want to hope obviously this defense turns it around, but they're just, they seem kind of terminally fucked. Um, and I don't know <laughs> what you do to recover it, right? Because unless mm -hmm. you're going to get the six sack game from Khalil Mack, unless you're just going to get an outrageous pass rush performance mm -hmm. um, or play a bad quarterback, it just seems like this defense does not have the confidence to go out there. And um, the other thing I'll say is it's, you know, the frustrations that they're having in the film room uh, and, all of these things like get magnified when they commit the bad third down or they commit the bad third down penalty, right? Like, and allow a team to convert. And you saw that on the drive where Sante Samuel Jr. committed the pass interference on third and 20 and the Packers had four plays, uh, one incomplete pass, one run, and then two plays essentially uh, for about 60 yards uh, to Romeo Dobbs and Dante mm -hmm. Wicks where the defense didn't know what it was doing. Right. Yeah. So it's like, I think that there just has to be an element of this where it is absolutely confidence and week after week, they're getting beat the same ways. Um, but I just think it has to be so deflating to get the defense on third and 20, third and 12, third and eight, whatever the circumstance has been in this post by defense um, and just, you know, not be able to figure it out. Um, and so, yeah, it's clearly allowed to more explosive plays after these incidents happen and mm -hmm. you know Derek Ansley and, and Brandon Staley have continuously talked about teaching week after week but mm -hmm. at a certain point what are you teaching right I I don't know I really do not know what happened and we'll talk to anybody you know we talked to Brett Coleman you know there's not a whole lot of guys uh you know Sean Syed you know, these guys that really break down the film and, and watch the Chargers and actually like, you know, Sean Syed is a, is a big guy in terms of like 
the Staley scheme and he was a big and had a lot of confidence in him and Ted and Wynn and all these guys. We, we talked to these people who study the film better than we ever could. And the answer is just kind of like, I, I don't know. They don't really know what is happening. And, and frankly, we don't. Chargers fans certainly don't. But the, the one thing that we do know is, is happening is nothing. There's going to be no change. And this is, you know, now Alex and I only got to talk about this after we were done recording. Of course, the one time Alex doesn't stay to watch the pressers, it's the all-timer one. Man. Uh, <laughs> oh, I would have gotten I'm... so many retweets and favorites. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I, I guess I'm glad we didn't hear some of these live. You've heard it all by now. The one that is, is relevant to the defense in this particular case is, you know, I have full confidence in our way of playing. This is Brandon Staley after the game. Full confidence in myself as the play caller, in the way that we teach, in the way that we scheme. I'm going to be calling the defenses so we're clear. So you don't have to ask that again. Um, <laughs> I guess I'll throw it back to you before we get to the rest of this. Your thoughts on not just this comment, but really the comments overall. One, as it pertains to the defense, and two, just Brandon Staley's, oh, I don't know, uh, his current situation. Yeah, so that press conference is the most horrific look I can remember in a while. (laughs) Um, I, you know, telling Daniel Popper that he needs to do journalism better because he asks about Quentin Johnston dropping a ball. <laughs> and you're like, oh man, you should have seen, you were at training camp. He he was killing it at training camp. It was so awesome. I'm like, dude, it's, it's week 11. What, what, <laughs> what are we yeah. doing? Um, and people know that I, I love Quentin Johnson as a prospect um, and I hope for the best for him. But I'm like, if your response to that is just going to be, you know, the exact quote was, you know, you need to do your journalism justice. I'm mm. like, what are we doing there? But going back to the play caller stuff and, and telling people to stop asking the question, um, people are going to keep asking about it if you keep allowing 400 yards a game. People are going <laughs> to keep asking about it if you're 31st in defense, special teams, EPA for True Media Sports. People are going to keep asking about it if you're the worst pass defense in the league by 20 yards. Um, now, do I actually think that a like defensive play caller change is going out? I don't know. Derek Ansley has never like called plays at an NFL level before. Right. And I actually think that like Staley probably should still call the plays just on a like finish out the season basis and not try to, you know, integrate another massive change into like how the defense like is doing things because you know, like, I think that would be a lot to put on, say, Derek Ansley's shoulders if he were to be the play caller. Um, but, like, something has to change in terms of how you're calling the plays. And, you know, we pointed out the soft zone stuff and, and all that. Um, so, I don't know. Like, it was just, you know. And then, well, this is the aspect that I think we have to get to. The next morning... Ian Rappaport goes on NFL Network <laughs> and, you know, goes, man, I don't know what you guys are talking about. And like it, it is, was so much gaslighting that like, man, defense was fine. 
I woke up and I looked at the box score this morning and it says 23 points. I mean, you got to be able to score more than 20. And Eckler fumbled the ball and Johnson dropped it. Uh, you know, so I don't know what we're talking about here. And it's just like, clearly I can tell that you didn't watch the game, which is fine. It's not Ian Rappaport's job to watch the games. It's his job to be a source. But if you're going to tell Chargers fans, Packers fans, NFL fans, anyone with a functioning brain who watched the game, that the Chargers defense wasn't a problem when, you know, the Packers would have scored 27 had it not been for a missed PAT and a missed field goal and had more opportunities for big plays that Jordan Love missed in the first half. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Like, I, <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. And, you know, the important thing about the information people, whether it be Rappaport or Palacero, is that you always have to remember that they're spinning a narrative for somebody or some organization or something. And um, I think the fact that the the defense of the defense was that notable was Mm -hmm. just something to keep in mind for future weeks. But no, it was a pretty disastrous press conference. And um, I, I don't know how anyone except Brandon Staley himself could have confidence in his abilities as a play caller. Yeah, so this was really the this press conference, and things kept adding throughout the weeks. So I kept having to add things to this this whole presentation, this idea that I had. But this press conference is really the one that just kind of I, I checked out, you know. And and I will. There's a line that we cannot cross. There's a line that I will not cross. But I'm beyond frustrated with these comments given the way the rest of the season went so i really wanted to the whole purpose of this honestly is in the face of these comments that and what ian rapaport said obviously and this idea that we're not going to change everything is fine it's a good scheme it's more execution on the players or whatever in the face of all that i really just wanted to say like no there's a significant problem and, and you are certainly part of it if not the root problem and cause of all these issues and i wanted to talk about it because you can say whatever you like you know ian rapaport that the defense is you know not the issue and that brandon staley is one of the better defensive play callers how about this let's go uh into the reality of it first of all the funniest thing that you possibly could have done after watching your defense struggle for the first two weeks so i, I set this up earlier they were sixth in Shannon Entropy, right? In terms of like how, how complex the defense is going to be, how creative the looks are going to be. We're just talking about the DBs here. They were sixth in Shannon Entropy. The players came out and said, I can't get into a rhythm. It's too complex. You're watching the guys struggle out there and they're committing penalties and there's explosive plays. And you're watching all of that. And then out through week 11, your Shannon Entropy is fifth which technically means you kept the complexity of your defense. And if not anything else, you might've even ratcheted it up a bit in terms of complexity. So you, you heard your players, you watched your players and you went, we're going to keep the same complexity all the while playing guys who are better at press 10 yards off the line of scrimmage, even if it's third and one. So they mix up coverages a lot and it hasn't worked. It's okay. If you mix up coverages, if it works, 
you know, McDonald for the, the Ravens, they mix it up quite a bit. That defense is just fine. And we'll see it on Sunday. Uh, the Chargers, they've kept the same complexity in terms of their deep, defensive back responsibilities and assignments. And they are still eighth worst in perfectly covered plays. They have the eighth worst number or total of perfectly covered plays by the DBs. So again, definition of insanity. They are literally practically doing the exact same thing in terms of defensive back complexity and what they're asking these guys to do. And they're getting the exact same results, but hoping for different. But again, Brandon Staley, we are not going to change anything. It's about execution. And sure, execution is definitely part of it. Let's talk about penalties. Derwin James has the most EPA lost uh, to penalties among all defensive backs in the NFL this season. Do I agree with all of those penalties, like the most recent one? No. Regardless, Derwin James has the most EPA, which is expected points added lost to penalties among all defensive backs. The Chargers defensive backs as a whole have the most EPA lost on penalties and a 130% uh, in win probability lost from these penalties. It's the most EPA by a particular defensive back, the most EPA as a defensive back group, and the most win probability lost from defensive back penalties. But again, you're not changing. It's going to be the same. We believe in the scheme. We're going to play way off. <laughs> and everything's going to get fixed. We'll just teach it better. Okay, again, it's not working. And your DBs are struggling. So to summarize, looking at the criteria for what they believe was successful, they're only 14 out of 40. They're at a 35% success rate in terms of the criteria they set out as a defense to be successful. They're 29th in DVOA. They're 20th in EPA per play. And their DBs lead the league in penalties. But sure, we're keeping everything the same. Okay. I mean, maybe there's some competition. And really just, like, I don't understand why you keep things the same when it's not working. You look at the way the offense, I did DVOA for this one because we can access all three offense, defense, and special teams in DVOA. The offense has been a top 10 unit. And the special teams unit, after change, has been sixth and fourth in DVOA. So the offense, you know, last year wasn't great, but Herbert's rib injury and all those other injuries do not help. But they're eighth this year. Special teams is fourth this year after being sixth the year before. The defense pre-Staley era was 20th in DVOA, and it's been 26th, 21st, and 29th since. It's just gotten worse. It's gone from middle of the pack to a little bit worse to we spent a lot of money, but we're still worse than it was in 2020. And then in, in 2023, when you generally have all you could really want, they're 29th. I mean, it's and it's bad. And this is staring across from you, the offense being eighth in DVOA. Granted, they have Justin Herbert. So I get why the offense floor will always be higher. But the offense is doing without a lot of players. Lindsley, Mike Williams, Josh Palmer, Everett's been in and out. Jalen Guyton's been in and out. Quinton Johnson has not hit. Donna Parham's been in and out. You wave Trey McKitty. Um, you know, Rashawn Slater's hurt, et cetera, et cetera. They're still eighth. You know, say what you want about Kellen Moore. I feel like they are trying to do things differently sometimes, and they find a way to make it work. The defense through years. So not just like, you know, I talked about season to season or just in within the season, how nothing has changed and it's still bad. But throughout years of looking at this and heck even last year to this year looking at the same defensive back group generally nothing has changed you won't change anything you're worse because of it it just blows my mind 
especially because I really don't think change is all that bad. I mean, look at now these required firings. That is different. And technically they did sort of fire Ronaldo Hill. Um, but I'm more talking about schematic and play calling and that sort of thing, getting somebody else's voice more heard in the room. I mean, the best things that Brandon Staley has done so far is make these changes, right? Kellen Moore, the new play caller, I would argue the offense is better. Ryan Ficken undoubtedly is significantly better than Darius Swinton's tenure. I mean, you're taking an offense that was 16th in dropback EPA last year. Now it's fourth. Special teams under Ryan Ficken from 28th to 6th and to 4th. These changes are, are okay. You've seen in your own regime that changes are okay. You can make changes and they can be positive and they can work. And I don't think firing Ronaldo Hill as a scapegoat, letting him go to Miami because he really wanted to be there or whatever, really counts. Although I, I do think it should have done something than make it significantly worse. But it's just frustrating to see that they, they're not going to change. So here, here's, here's, the, here's the final one I got. Um, after this, guys, we're going to answer your questions. We'll do a quick little uh, you know, ad read and whatnot, and then we'll go ahead and answer some of your questions. So please fire those questions in. But it, it, we're in a full circle moment here. I mean, we're talking about July 26th. Alex is posting about, and this is fine. This is training camp. You're supposed to talk about these things. You're supposed to do these things. The full role for Asante Samuel Jr. is to be determined. Um, there's going to be a competition with Jaw and Asante Samuel Jr. You know, at that time, they're still trying to figure out what the heck JC can and can't do, which I understand. That's a big question mark that I don't think anyone expected um, so early. After week two, uh, long story short, they're going to say that, you know, we're going to have a competition. Competition will express itself. Two guys will emerge and we'll stick with those guys. That's after week two. But then now, after the Packers loss, Brandon Staley says, I think it's fair that there's going to be a lot of competition in the secondary. So again, just overall, it's just this definition of insanity and failure to adjust long-term throughout the season. There have maybe been little changes here and there, but if you're looking at now 11 weeks and 11 games, you don't really see any of these changes be significant in any positive direction at the very least. Nothing has manifested in a positive way. Nothing has been successful. It's it's kind of tragic to watch this defense at this point. And I really don't know where the charges go from here, as you said, Alex. So your thoughts on, on frankly, any of this, because I think that it really does feel truly like the definition of insanity and a failure to adjust at all, where, you know, your stubbornness, as I put in the thumbnail of the video, is the anchor that is keeping this team from getting into the postseason. Your inability to see that there needs to be significant changes and to hear your players come out and say, we need this. We need help. We have to make a change. We have to do something. We need to do something. I play better this way. We need to play this team this way. Your inability to hear your own players and make notable significant changes that are positive throughout the season is the anchor that is keeping Justin Herbert out of the postseason again. Yeah, um, you know, I mean, I think there's no better, like, broad stat that you can use than the Chargers are the only team that has a top 10 offense that has a losing record, right, um, at the end of the day. And that's probably going to prevent Justin Herbert from, you know, playing in the postseason for the second of third, three years under Brandon Staley, um, which, you know, just in general is a pretty unacceptable result. Um you know, as far as the changes, like, I don't know what to expect because, again, like, we have, you know, 
Palacero tweeting on Sunday, like, oh, like, watch out for more Derwin in the star role, right? I wouldn't be surprised if I woke up tomorrow and it's like, oh, Dean Leonard is the starting corner. Like, I don't know. <laughs> right. Like when you talk about competition in the secondary and it just feels like, you know, try trying to throw something at a wall and kind of like seeing what sticks without there being much of an emphasis of a plan behind it. Um, so I, I don't know at this point. And yeah, no, I mean, the most politically correct way that I can say this is none of the three of us after the post Jaguars episode um, had confidence in this regime. And at this point, I have not returned to having confidence in it for all of the various reasons that you listed in this PowerPoint. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I think it's a shame that this Herbert season is being wasted for all the shit that some fans give Kellen Moore. He is essentially co coaching with one Keenan Allen and one Justin Herbert, no good running backs, a pretty bad offensive line right now. Um, and that's about it. And, you know, the Chargers are eighth in offensive DVOA, like Tyler said. The, you know, defensive uh, special teams plus EPA rating. The special teams is carrying the defense there <laughs> to, a, to a 31st place finish. Um, and, like, Ryan Ficken has been, you know, coaching his ass off. And he's gone through yeah. um, tons of injuries in terms of special teams with guys like Raheem Lane going out. Uh, and now Chris Rumpf and Tanner Muse, who were big mm -hmm. parts of special teams. And now... He has to keep re-engineering the thing. So I feel like Kellen Moore and Ryan Ficken have been the guys that have like continuously adjusted this season to whatever has been thrown their way. Um, and honestly, the story of Staley's defense is that uh, A, the like smaller adjustments haven't worked, but B, the bigger adjustments are the ones that haven't happened. Yeah, I think if you're bringing up Ryan Ficken and Kellen Moore there too, Ficken... Even last year, he's on his third kicker, and they're still making it work. Yeah. I, I don't know how much he can influence a kicker, but like everyone's playing well. So sure, I'll give him some credit there. And then now, you know, Cameron Dicker has developed into a legit NFL, like longtime starter, high-end starter kicker. Everyone's great. You talk about all the players that have been in and out, in and out, in and out. You know, did we miss? Maybe they did, but like, did we miss Dean Leonard being out there? There's core special teams gunner not necessarily this is very different you know than edge rushers and dbs and stuff in terms of the defense but still like whatever happened with ryan ficken's unit whoever was in out inactive active you name it which is sometimes just completely out of his hands they're still really freaking good and then kellen moore you know you, you, we hear all the time about how derwin james is a, is a chess piece you want to see how a chess piece is actually used look at the way kellen moore is using keenan allen why can't derwin james be set up in some similar ways very different offenses it's going to be easier of course but they move keenan on wherever they need to to get him 100 yards a game he is successful every single game no matter what one because he's keenan Allen, two because he has justin herbert but three kellen moore finds a way to move him so he is as successful as possible who's my best player keenan allen great let's find ways to get him open and make him successful so we can be the best offense possible what is what is the goal with derwin james i don't think Keenan in terms of talent is all that far off from Derwin James technically I think Derwin is more talented in terms of pure talent but these are two guys who should be the best at their positions who should be expressed and used in a certain way that allows them to be very successful 
Yet we got one Keenan Allen who's going to be an All Pro, and they got another guy in Derwin James who fans want to cut because he's not been great this season. Now some of that is on him, of course, but again, you just you feel one person is figuring out how to make it work, and one person's not. Now I would argue that Brandon Staley's job should be easier, given the amount of now Joey's been out. He's been out several times. I get that. But I feel like with all the talent you have, it should not be this difficult. And, you know, I want to make excuses sometimes. And I want to talk about players who are out. But I'll just scroll through the list of other teams who are out there. And it's like, is Eberflus is doing more with the Bears. You know, Pierce is doing more with the Raiders. Name three Raiders players that you knew before this season, other than Max Crosby. It's like, who are these guys? No offense. But I don't know who Spillane was. You know, I liked Merrick coming out of, of TCU, but like they're doing more with guys that frankly are not true long-term starters. And yet with the most money invested in the defense possible as a defensive coach, they're just, it's frustrating, man. So uh, that's that's kind of my bit on that, Alex. Yeah. I just have one more thing to say. The, the Someone asked at the press conference, I think it was yesterday, um, to Ryan Ficken, what do you think about the Dicker Tucker matchup this week? And I thought that question was just so funny because Dicker was acquired by this team after he was just on the street for the Eagles and he came in and just started performing. Right. Mm-hmm. And now he's, you know, clearly, you know, knock on wood, one of the yeah. top 10, 15 like guys in the league that you trust to make a field goal. Um, and yet on defense, we're still like, so what do we do with that Derwin James guy? <laughs> Right. And I think that kind of is emblematic of what the Chargers have been on offense and special teams versus mm-hmm. what they've been on defense and, and how they use their personnel. Because the offense has been far, far from healthy. I would say even more so than the defense. Special mm-hmm. teams has had its fair share of injuries, too. And yet the defense is, is the unit holding this team back. Yeah. Reality check says we don't have elite talent on defense. I would agree. There's definitely no like not a ton of elite talent in the defense, but there's enough. And and again, even like, I don't expect them to have been top five this year, but I certainly didn't expect like the worst team and laughing stock. And again, the the first page of this PowerPoint was Rich Eisen asking if Lamar would have more touchdowns or if the defense would commit more dumbass penalties. Like that is where that's not what I expected heading into the season. Right. And like the one thing I'll say is like uh, it was Dan Orlovsky who was on Pat McAfee show, and he was the one who said, you know, you know, this defense is like too talented, right, on paper to like be where it is and what Staley's doing. And I, I kind of, on one hand, agree with that, but on the other hand, I'm like, what is this defense that Staley has constructed identity-wise, right? Because we talked about Joey Bosa being out, Khalil Mack is probably the best i mean he is the best player on the defensive line right now and even though i think khalil mack has had a very good season khalil mack is not what khalil mack was in 2016 to 2018 you know it's like a perennial defensive player of the year guy khalil mack's cap hit next year is going to be 38 million dollars because of the restructures they've done right um which maybe some extension would kind of lower that um but you know you look through this defense and it's just like they banked a lot on this pass rush working to more of an extent than it has and the linebackers, maybe the less that's said about them, the better. Um, and the corners in the, in the, in the secondary, right? Like, I mean, they, they banked a lot on, you know, JC Jackson, obviously working, hasn't worked. 
Um, and so you look, you know, Daniel Popper wrote it in his article yesterday. If you're looking at personnel and defense, um, that's what Staley and Telesco were supposed to do. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, there's no easy transition for things like this when you have to do ad reads in the middle of your show. Uh, we're going to go ahead. Little and Caesars. <laughs> Little Caesars. If you want to drop more toppings on your pizza than dropped uh, passes and penalties by the, the <laughs> secretary. Uh, if you want to hold a Little Caesars pizza like Asante Siamo Jr. will hold on third and 20, uh, then make Little Caesars the official pizza sponsor of the NFL part of your game day. Pizza and football go together like Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen or the secondary and penalties. Order online during our pizza pizza pregame one hour before and three hours after nfl kickoffs plus all day on sunday get ready for some football and fun if you're going and you're watching rutgers and maryland like someone on this podcast go and get yourself a little caesar's pizza choose your favorite little caesar's pizza or pick the toppings you crave either way you win you want to go stuffed crust or pepperoni or spicy whatever the heck go for it uh, and speaking of winning everyone scores with the convenient delivery of our in-store pizza portal pickup so grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the game. And now let's have some fun at the defense's expense. Let's talk about uh, prize picks, which I've loved using and certainly have. It's been a lot of fun to use prize picks. Wait, wait, wait. Before you get into prize picks, mm-hmm. can I say one thing about Little Caesars? Absolutely. <laughs> Little Caesars, hot and fresh right out of the oven, like Brandon Staley in a post-game presser. <laughs> one only cost you $5. Um, okay. <laughs> Let's talk about price picks now. Steven's going to kill me when he comes back. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he came to chimpanzees and machine gun for a week. And now it's... Um, but I, I do genuinely love using price picks. My family and I, if we're watching the game, we'll, we'll jump on do price picks every now and then. I know Steven does as well. Um, some price picks selections for you guys at the defense's expense. Lamar Jackson, more than 19 and a half passing completions. I take the more there. Zay Flowers at 65 and a half receiving yards. You could take the more there. We got OBJ at 41 and a half receiving yards. 
I don't know if he'll do it in any other time the rest of the year, but I would consider taking the more there against the Chargers. Um, considering what Green Bay just did against the Chargers, go for it. And we have a lovely one here. Quentin Johnson at two and a half receptions. This is where we're at with our first round pick. The more or less is set at two and a half receptions. At some point, you're going to be right, right? So I'll go with the more there because, you know, a screen and a shallow crosser and, and one fade goes a long way. So we'll, we'll see what goes there. Um, but if you want to make your selections, and I highly suggest you do because it is a lot of fun. And listen, emotionally hedge if you'd like to. Go to pricepicks.com slash guilty and use the code guilty for our first deposit match up to $100. And uh, yeah, go uh, go crazy. Yeah. Um, Odell just had his first 100-yard game since the 2021 NFC Championship game. And he returns <laughs> to the same stadium. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. Where he uh, won the Super Bowl and uh, won the NFC Championship. So that's uh, that's going to be fun. Uh, I think he was questionable this week, but now he's had a full practice on Friday. So, yeah. Um, Hotel and Zay against the secondary is just, I pray for the best. I hope for the best for all of them. Uh, you know, but people were like, oh, what does like Mark Andrews lost mean for this game? I'm like, there's like a lot that this defense has to get through before we talk about yeah. the impact of Mark Andrews. <laughs> right. Zay, Zay Flowers is a terrible, terrible matchup individual for this secondary not that anything has been great but Jaden reed i don't know if i see that they're similar but like yeah I, I, no I'd i mean like, it's it's the same slot outside guy much like amon ra much like Jaden reed much like uh, you know a lot of the guys that the chargers have kind of faced that have given them the most problems um yeah i think i think uh who's the guy who does the pff like bets every week i can't remember his name but arjun keeps mm. posting about him and he keeps smashing me over on slot receivers against the chargers <laughs> <laughs> and uh it's worked to his favor so far yeah I, I i wouldn't blame you my mom is very successful with prize picks she generally does this she does more on whatever's involved in the passing game facing the chargers and then more on justin herbert and she tends to be right more often than not because those two, two things are are death and taxes um Okay, so let's talk about some questions you guys sent in. Uh, my mom just sends in a super chat. Thank you, mom. I don't know where you guys are, but hope you're having a good whatever you're doing. Um, from LDE Bruin, why has, I'm assuming, Zion Johnson regressed so much? Was expecting putting him beside Slater would elevate his game. Herbert was under a lot of more pressure against Green Bay when I rewatched. I'd have to bug Steven about this one because he's the only psychopath who would watch this offensive line uh, 10, 11 games in a row. I'm just, I'm just surprised that he hasn't taken the step forward that we were really hoping. Uh, he feels very, there's a weird way of putting it, but like Mike Williams-y, where there are plays where I feel like, wow, that is elite guard play. And there's other stuff for like a drop at the one, you know, like, like Mike Williams would have, or just some fluky stuff earlier in his career. Where it's like, why are you making those mistakes? Just correct those. That's kind of how it feels with Zion. Very, very boomer bust. Even kind of like Asante Samuel Jr. Where it's like, okay, coverage, you know, some of the PBUs look great. Some of that film is like exactly what you want. But yeah, not great. Have you watched any Zion Johnson, Alex? I've not watched Zion Johnson like film breakdown specifically. I assume that's Steven's going to be first comeback video this week after the Ravens game or something. He'll do, he'll do some kind of offensive line breakdown. But I do think like it's it's notable at this point how many 
breakdowns there are from Zion and the interior specifically during two minute drills. And I mean, you've seen it multiple times this season. Um, Kellen Moore talked about it in his press conference on Thursday, but I mean, Passpro has been like the big problem for him. And sometimes it's Slater or Pipkins getting beat on the outside, but more often than not, I do feel like when Justin Herbert has been sacked or pressured at the end of the game, it has been the interior giving up some of their leverage. Um, and that's clap, uh, Sally Aaron and Zion. There's even some moments just like, you know, in, in run fits as well, where I do feel like you know, Salier and Zion haven't worked exactly as we wanted them uh, to this year as well. Tyler, you muted. Well, I'm an idiot. All right. Uh, so from Reality Check, uh, we should have left Zion on the right side. I get why they switched him back, but this is the danger of what they were doing initially. Part of the reason, you know, there's a video of Steven, Arjun, and I, although I'm barely in it, jumping up and down when they drafted Zion. My assumption was they would take him as a left guard, keep him at left guard, and let him play there. You know, and that Matt Filer was kicked out to right tackle. Honestly, in that moment, that's what I thought. I thought Filer was kicking out to tackle. Turns out they were just booting Ibushi um, and putting Zion at right guard. I I just think that there's a lot of struggle with having to play a certain way in college and completely relearn everything on the right side, and then now completely relearn everything sort of again on the left side. Like if I spend an entire year you know, wiping my butt with my left hand and I got to go back to the right hand. I don't know if I'm quite the, the same way, you know, um, let alone having to block uh, Chris some Taylor. kind of muscle memory there. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. It's like riding a bike uh, pass. Moving on from this question. Uh, point is, I think I think the flip flopping is, is not great for him. Again, Why did you think of wiping your butt before riding a bike? Uh, I don't know. I, I use both my legs riding a bike, not both my hands. But I'm wiping. <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> Um, anyway, it's not working, whatever it is, wiping, riding a bike, playing football, uh, they're all related. All right. Um, any other questions? Fire in your questions, chargers or non-chargers food related. Now is your perfect time. <laughs> yeah. Also, thank you for 187 of you for, for being here. Wow. Uh, for some reason. During thank the you. big game too. Wow. I know you guys are all, all venting and surviving with us. It's a bit unhinged when Steven isn't here, but it also just kind of makes it kind of, it's different. It's a bit of a change up. He's very, uh, Steven's very statesman. It does everything correctly. Yeah. I appreciate him. Yeah. Mackenzie says, we like pain. Yeah, I guess so. Um, I, I, never mind. I'll come back to that. Die Hard says, check mine above. Uh, how likely is it the Chargers beat the Ravens to give us all hope and then lose to the Patriots again next week? Um, I just don't see it. This you, you go through, I forget who it was. Maybe it was Daniel Popper reading it off or in his article. But the Ravens are just, you know, they're, they're top one in this, they're top three in this. You know, the, their defensive tackle has had a sack in six straight games. We just talked about Zion and Jamari. It's, I don't think they're going to win this week. There's... I, I think Herbert will keep it close. I think I'll have a good game, but I think it'll be, you know, I guess, do you want to do a score prediction, Alex, on, on this game since we're here? Uh, 36 to 30. Mm, okay. I'll go. So 30. I'll have it relatively close. Cause I mean, 
they have Herbert too, and like they have, I mean, most of their losses have been by one possession outside of the Chiefs game where they lost by two. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually don't see this game like getting out of control like bad uh, for the Chargers, but yeah, um, I I just don't. The Ravens' run game is like really good in the red zone, um, and I also just think like the wide receiver matchup is is kind of a nightmare for them. So. I think that things will regress to the mean and hopefully they don't have six drops this week. Um, mm-hmm. That should be a little bit better. Maybe the run game isn't like quite as disastrous. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't see this team having kind of the manpower right now to, to hang with this Ravens team and come out on the other end. I can see them still being competitive in the fourth quarter with Herbert, but Yeah. Uh, Diehard Sports Network points out the Chargers, they were plus four, now they're plus three. Mm. I am curious how much. I'm I sure feel like seven. a lot of that has to do with Odell and say, yeah. kind of mm-hmm. being in and out throughout the week. I mean, injury wise and injury report wise, probably. And now yeah. it's Ravens minus three and a half. I just checked ESPN. Okay. Uh, from Thomas Martinez, start, sit, bench, Starbucks, mm. Dunkin' Donuts, and Krispy Kreme. So I, I have never been a Dunkin' Donuts guy. I don't know if that's... I mean, there are Dunkin' Donuts over here, but I, I'm more Starbucks Krispy Kreme my whole life. Uh, cut Starbucks, uh, bench Dunkin', start Krispy Kreme. Interesting. Um, I should probably sit Starbucks. I'm going to bench Dunkin' because I don't have it. Wait, you know what I'm going to start? I'm going to start. I'm going to start. Start, about, sit, bench. Sit and benches. <laughs> I, think, wait, wait. I think you meant start, bench, cut. But <laughs> okay. you know what I'm going to start? How about you make your own coffee at home? You know what? Like a, like a normal yeah. person. Yeah. I, I, I like making my own coffee because honestly, I don't I don't have Starbucks in this country. But um, <laughs> sure enough, you know, I don't know. I, I like I like make the smell of like coffee when you wake up in the morning from the coffee machine. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's my that's my boomer rant for the day. <laughs> no, I totally get it. I got a, I got a French press, and mm. I spent so long trying to get like the exact number of tablespoons and time, and I had a, you know everything just perfectly planned out, and it turned out like fine. And then my wife has no idea what she's doing, grinds it, does whatever, and it's perfect. I was so irritated, <laughs> <laughs> but it worked. So she gets to she makes the coffee in the mornings now, which hey, I'm okay with that. Um. <laughs> any other question okay so from nimbasabe assuming the season's over what developments do you want to see during the remaining schedule outside of a staley telesco firing um developments that i want to see the rest of the season honestly like i mean if we're just talking about like positive football watching experiences like i've I want to see Herbert continue to, you know, have the games that he's had against the Packers, right? Like, I mean, th- that was literally the highest graded game of his career by a PFF, you know? So um, the more of those efforts I think you see from him, the better, even if they don't mm-hmm. result the way that we want. Um, and, you know, he'll he'll get his chance to kind of, like, cut his teeth on some of these, like, defensive matchups against the Ravens, against the Patriots, um, you know, matchups that don't necessarily like favor what Herbert has done for his career. So um, I I think I'd like to see Herbert, you know, continue to cook and just, I guess more so what the direction of this roster is long-term. 
Um, and I've yeah. kind of been thinking about this just in terms of like, if you had to point out like five guys who were going to be with the Chargers for say the next, you know, three years or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's Herbert, it's Keenan, it's Thule. I think you probably throw Derwin and Slater in there. Um, but outside of that, like, I don't know if there's very much definition on this team. Um, I, I don't know if Mike Williams is going to be back, and I just don't know how many like long-term assets slash players that they have. Um, and obviously, there's a lot of turnover from year to year in general. Um, but I would just like to see kind of like who you know rises to the top, who sinks to the bottom, roster-wise, yeah. that we can start talking about them, you know, going forward to next season so hopefully that means more positive development from uh quentin johnston maybe asante samuel jr you know has some games like he did towards the beginning of the season as opposed to now um so you know just some positive direction in that development to you know what the chargers can be next year if we have seen you know them kind of fall out of the playoff race so to speak this year right and i agree there regarding the there's an entirely loud race car going by right now but Regarding the whole the Herbert stuff and what you wanted to see, like I just was watching him and had this video on my computer already. Just the way that he was changing, making calls at the line, the way he was adjusting everything. That's what I want to see from him because he's been so much better the last couple of games, just in terms of you know making calls, making changes, and then also running. Mm-hmm. Of course, like it's been such a positive development to see him be so active in a way that he had not before. You know how much he's actually changing, I don't know, but. You know, Kellen Moore has it really feels like since that game against the Lions, because they were so behind, they had to just let him loose. Herbert, you got to just go do this thing, do your thing. We'll get the calls in. If you want to change it, fine. Have at it. And I think that Herbert being able to do that and make these changes has been really great for him the last couple of weeks. And then that's what's needed because, you know, if they're even before the season, if they're really, really good and the offense is great and elite, Kellen Moore might be a head coach next right. year. You know, and he's not your offensive coordinator. If they're really, really bad, then Kellen Moore is also not your offensive coordinator next year. Like it's, it's, it's something might have changed no matter what. Mm-hmm. And so Herbert needed to take that step forward. So that's big. And then, yeah, some people are mentioning Dayon Henley, I think, is a, is a player who's got to start. He will not. I'll tell you right now, unless someone gets injured, Dayon Henley's not going to see the field. No. They're not going to bench Kenneth Murray. They're not going to bench Eric Hendricks. They won't even change their own scheme. There's no way they're going to back off of those two players. I well, I think in, against the run have at least earned the right to be out there. But in coverage, I don't know that they're going to make this move. There's too much invested. I wish Henley got more, um, but there's a lot of decisions they have to make. I don't think either. I don't think Murray's back next year. And I think Kendricks is a cap casualty. So, yeah, you should want to see what you have in Henley. I just don't think you'll be able to. Um, Dean Leonard, I think that is actually one where they've shown that they will mm-hmm. make a move in the secondary yeah to switch things up that's someone i would love to see because i thought he looked good in camp mm-hmm. and obviously he looked good against the lions give him a shot he's very very athletic he's very talented he's just more of a mm-hmm. raw prospect but uh give him some run yeah I, i'd like to see what diane henley and like some of these other guys have they're not going to play diane i mean they they like his role on special teams right now and mm-hmm. I, I don't think you would see it more until next year, um, you know, with whatever the linebacker configuration is going to be, especially because Eric Hendricks and Murray are, are essentially on one-year deals. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, no, I again, I think that just goes more to the general theme of, like, you know, 
also somebody like Josh Palmer coming back, right? Like if he, you know, does come back after two more weeks on IR, what is what does he have? Um, it's either one or one or two, I think, right? I think he only has. I think this is the last game. But then, no. even yeah. if even if it wasn't, Staley said it's going to be a minimum of four, and then we'll see. Yeah. Like it's been, you know, I I, know, man. I I would I would like to see him come back, you know, just to, again, give Herbert another weapon, because obviously they're never going to be in a position where they just, like, shut down Herbert for the rest of the year if he's healthy, right? Like, Herbert is going to play out all these games. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I'd like to see, again, the optimal, you know, weapons around him, and that does mean, I think, bringing Josh Mulder back, especially, if, you know, Mike Williams not coming back. So, you know, just to see, again, something positive towards next year in general, and Josh Palmer entering a contract year next year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, let's take a couple more, then I'll get you out of here. Mm-hmm. Uh, why aren't we using Darius Davis more as a slot receiver? I'm surprised by his usage overall and how much it's dropped. I don't need him to have five touches a game, but yeah, it used to be like one or two pretty dynamic plays for a spark, and then that's kind of gone away. Yeah, I am surprised by just how less he's been used in the offense in general because I did feel against... Kansas City, um, he had the big, what, 51-yard play against Dallas. Um, is that the right game that I'm thinking of? He definitely had it against Kansas City. Yeah, I don't I don't remember what was the big game where he had the big run. Oh, Raiders. Raiders, yeah. Um, sorry, my bad. Um, but, yeah, I, I just would like to see him, I guess, be used more in that role. I don't think you're necessarily going to, like, put him in the slot because they like playing Keenan there. Um, I think they'll also put QJ in there from time to time. But I also think that how much you use Darius Davis in the offense also kind of like has to be balanced with his special teams role as well, because he is not just the punt returner. He's also the kick returner. Right. So Mm -hmm. um, I think that that's kind of why they've been, you know, skeptical to like put him in as the next guy, because people just view it in like a very depth chart way of like, oh, why is like Simi Fahoko playing over like Darius Davis? But it's because they want to keep him healthy uh for you know special teams and that's, that's right the main role and if you have him playing 40 offensive snaps plus you know <laughs> all the special teams are yeah games, right like that's just not the recipe for this chargers team so uh, yeah i would like to see him more in the backfield doing his own thing some well-designed like end around some you know uh just plays where you can get open in space a little bit um but i i, I have been surprised too to see just how much his touches have gone down yeah, I think not ex- perfectly comparable because one's officially a running back, but you see Devin Ache and how explosive he can be, but then he's been in and out of the lineup. He tried to get back, hurt again, didn't play against the Dolph- or against the Jets. Not a bigger guy himself. So I think there's an aspect of trying to balance those hits as well, especially because you do need Davis to play. You don't really have a, another backup special teamer that's quite the same. Uh there, there's no speculation on your end of, of what this could be about JT Woods and his illness, right? Because it's been, no. I, I'm not going to speculate, but it's been such a, has it been what, since week three, four? Yeah, he went, he went out the same time Corey did, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. So listed, it was, like, so... was he like a Saturday all of a sudden listed as an illness sort of thing? Something like that, yeah. I know, yeah, so neither of them played the Raiders game. And then I think he's been out since since then. Yeah, that's been a, a surprise one. Yeah. Wow. So I yeah. I don't know I don't know what to speculate other than 
it's weird to just hear the contrast because Staley went out of his press conference and was asked about JT Woods, I think, earlier this week on Monday. And he was basically like, he's a ways off. Like, he's not playing anytime soon, essentially. Yeah. But then also, like, he has been practicing. So, you know, I, I think that that's a little odd. Um, but I, I don't know what to think about that situation in general. Yeah, me neither. Uh, it's the last one, especially because you were, we all... Mm-hmm. In some way or another, we're at least a fan of what Quentin Johnson could do in terms of what he could do well. And that hasn't really manifested. It's wild because you'll see the like the triple option mm-hmm. sort of thing that they did against the the Packers that Herbert, I don't know if he necessarily checked into it, but he did make calls before that play where he changed the play and then he made that play happen. But you see Quentin Johnson immediately get the ball in that situation and, you know, looks great, looks spry, knows what he's doing. It's very comfortable for him, picks up a first down and more. You know, get some yards after contact uh, contact there too. Like, do they lean into that this game? Are we just going to see more of the same, do you think? I've said this every week since week two, basically. What do you think? Yeah, I don't know what to make at this point. I mean, his usage is also different than week two, right? Because now he he's essentially the second wide receiver on this team. Um, and so, you know, Herbert whether he wants to trust him or not has to right out of kind of necessity for you know the team to be good on offense um you know uh worst receiver in the draft i feel is a little overreactionary um but you know i, I definitely think against the lions against the packers it you know has not looked the way that they wanted it to um but yeah no i, I for me i was very much a you know, the problems on in terms of drops, uh, in terms of, you know, some of the, you know, advanced analytics on the route running, like, weren't, uh, why did you, why did you kidnap? Because you're here, man, so I, I had to bring it up. <laughs> oh, what was, dude, if Nelson Aguilar has a touchdown tomorrow, I'm going to lose my shit. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, he's on the Ravens. Oh, uh, one, two. <laughs> Oh God, I, I can imagine it like in my head now that it's just like the most broken play you've ever seen. Please take that comment down. Um, <laughs> I, like that that post draft video, like we have the you guys jumping at the Zion pick and then me <laughs> jumping essentially at the Johnson pick back to back years. It's not looking great right now, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. For for me. Like I was saying, I think it was more the intangibles that he had and, you know, the yak ability in today's modern NFL. Like, that's what you really wanted from him in the draft. And, you know, I just don't think they figured out a way to integrate that. And obviously, like, you have to be able to catch the ball when you're given the chance. And um, yeah, it's weird because the drops weren't that much of an issue the first six or seven weeks. But now, obviously, like, they have come front and center. Um, and you know, it's, it's unfortunate that they have come front and center the way that they have, because I did not think that it would be this much of a problem for him at the next level, especially with Herbert as your quarterback, as opposed to Max Duggan. Um, but clearly like the focus drops, uh, are, are still an issue. So hopefully, you know, he gets some opportunities on Sunday and, you know, kind of, kind of works it out. I do still think like, again, in terms of all the receivers, including Johnson, Addison, Flowers, like, you know, um, Johnson, you know, even when the Chargers took him, like, was the least 
NFL ready of the three, but was sort of viewed as having, you know, the highest NFL ceiling, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, I still think that is kind of what the Chargers are banking on. Um, Not, not going to say anything about, you know, Zay or Addison, you know, know, since that's kind of in the past at this point. Um, But yeah, no, I mean, if he doesn't turn it around, like, yeah, it's, it's going to look pretty bad for the Chargers. And, you know, if they're going to make some kind of playoff run this year, even though we don't believe in it, uh, mm-hmm. he's he's going to be that guy that has to step up because, you know, the tight end room is banged up. The running game stinks, to be quite frank. And mm-hmm. it's literally just Herbert and Keenan Allen, right? Yep. And then occasionally Alex Erickson or somebody will, like, dive into his bag <laughs> for one play. But, like, or Sivy Fajoko. Uh, but they really need somebody on a consistent contributor basis. And that's Johnston. That's everyone else on offense, too, to, like, Somebody's got to step up, and I, I would hope that it is Johnston taking advantage of those opportunities that he has, you know, kind of let slip away in these recent games, uh, more so coming up on the schedule. So that's, again, you know, what are you watching the rest of the season outside of Telesco or Staley? That's definitely one of the signs where you want to see some more positive development for him going into next year, too. Yep, absolutely. All right. Oh, is, that, is, that, is that Gandorf? Yes, yeah, so here, here she is. Here you go. Say hi. Hello. Hi everybody. She just... Yeah, she's been sitting on my lap and she hates when I <laughs> she hates when I don't pay attention to her. My wife's gone, so uh, we're stuck. Adrian, you might get your wish tomorrow. I don't know officially, but they might elevate uh, Steven I'm Anderson. Because they usually post it or around like now, right? Okay. Yeah, something like that. It's either Anderson or uh who is it? I assume it'll be Anderson. I mean Yeah, I don't think you bring him on and then yeah. make it camp wire. Like, which is a surprise it would be Camp Moore. Not that I think Camp Moore's I mean I think Camp Moore's been functional in the preseason, but he's he's never played a regular season snap. So like I just yeah. think in terms of trust and Staley talked about showing the whole tight end room 2021 Steven Anderson film. Like <laughs> that's right. I like right. I think if if you if you've gone to bat for him and you brought him back, like just just give us what we want, please. Yeah. <laughs> We're not asking for much. Yeah. You know, the Nick Vanette signing has gotten them from 2.8 yards per carry to 3.4. And you know what, man? We're, we're one more good blocking veteran tight end away from 3.8, guys. This, this we're going to do it. Like, this feels like Darius Swinton territory where we were like, oh, man, they're 29th in special teams now. <laughs> <laughs> Wait till they, hey, man, they're both, in, you know, when, when Vanette's over the concussion, which is an awful thing to have happened after he just started really playing well. Uh, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to do it, man. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to be the most efficient five and 12 team on offense ever. The season lies on the shoulders of Van Head and Steven Anderson, <laughs> just as we all predicted. As we all predicted, man. All right, guys. Thank you for joining us in the chat. We've got about 200 of you right now. We just got a, a jump in viewers. I don't know if it's halftime or something, but I no, um, no. appreciate you guys jumping on and, and kind of venting here with us and being frustrated with us. Alex, thank you for jumping on. I would have hated doing this solo. Also, I realized like, oh, yeah, Alex doesn't celebrate Thanksgiving over there. <laughs> so he's available. Um, so we made it work. So, Alex, thanks for jumping on, man. Guys, we will talk to you tomorrow after the game. Um, wear black, <laughs> probably, for, for what might be the official end of the season. Um, but we'll be there regardless, win or lose. All right, guys, take care. And as always, hold up. 
Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.